Hello, everyone, and happy Thursday. You're listening to the Gumpcast, the weekly show where two regular sports fans try to give their unbiased opinions on anything and everything sports. I'm your host, Caleb Ward, and I am joined with my co-host, Wyatt Fulton. We are so happy to have you all here listening, and let's get right into the show. Week 14, kind of a crazy week, a lot of good games. First game on the slate is the Chiefs and Raiders. Wasn't really a good game, but the Chiefs definitely seem like they have figured out everything. They've gotten past all the little hiccups that they were having in the middle of the season, and they're pretty much back to where they left off last year rocking and rolling everything looks good defense is clicking offense is you know obviously it's the chiefs so they look very very good and the raiders looked really really bad yeah i think the chiefs they are just mahomes reminded us who patrick mahomes is and why you should never count him off anywhere uh, I think they definitely had a good bit of extra motivation with the Raiders doing that stupid little stomp on, or huddle or whatever they did on midfield. That, uh, as yeah, far as I've seen, that, that never ends well. It never ends well. It never does. Uh, no, their defense has been on a really good stretch lately, though. Yeah, I mean, like, people were saying, like, people were, like, halfway through the scene, people were saying, like, the Chiefs are dead. Like, they're just not good this year. And, you know, you just, I mean, it's Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and, you know, Kelsey. I mean, you can't count those guys out ever. I was about to say, they can, I mean, we saw it in the playoffs a couple years ago, Chiefs and Texans, they can throw 24 points on the board in a three-minute span, and nobody knows what in the world just happened, but they're now losing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they could they can just flip a switch and I I don't know what Patrick's deal was in the middle of the season. I don't know if he was just having a lot of external distractions, but he just did he he wasn't really playing like himself. Like, you know, he's known for his his I guess I would say risky plays, you know, where he rolls out and, and you know, he just chunks it down the field to Tyreek and he's just yeah. you know F it Tyreek down there somewhere and usually it works out but for some reason like for like five six games in a row it just was not working out instead of you know completing the ball for 40 yards he was throwing interceptions and that was costing him games right. it, it looked like that Mahomes magic had finally died out but like, like we said they flip a switch and they're all of a sudden back in Super Bowl contention Mahomes is in the MVP conversation and the Chiefs are having fun again Exactly. I mean, it doesn't take much. But I would say very good win for the Chiefs. Came at the perfect time. Definitely. A good division opponent. Uh, I think they can clinch the division with a win Thursday night against the Chargers, if I remember reading correctly. I think you're correct. I'll have to look, I'll have to look that up. But, yeah, I mean – it's it, that's the crazy thing is like people are like that they've been saying that they're that, you know they're basically dead for half the season and here they are 
at the end of the season with a chance to clinch their division and, you know, make it to the playoffs. Right. But, I mean, the playoff picture is crazy this year. There are 13 teams from each division, from the AFC and the NFC, that are eligible, are not eligible, but that they, they have a chance to make the playoffs this year. I don't They're think it's currently still in the hunt. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's ever been a season like this, like ever in the history of the NFL. Like it's kind of insane. Like usually by now there's like five or, you know, five to seven yeah. teams in each division that are like, you know, that are in the like hunt. Three, four, three or four have separated themselves from the pack and the rest are fighting for the wild card spots. But this year, I mean, the AFC's got three, nine, and four teams sitting at the top and the NFC's got three, ten, and three teams sitting at the top. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how the rest of this rolls out. Yeah. It is definitely going to be a lot of fun. Speaking of fun, I had a lot of fun watching the 49ers play this past weekend. George Kittle is an absolute monster, and he's basically won me my fantasy fantasy league these past two weeks, and it's been incredible to watch. I made the mistake of trading him when he was in his slump earlier this season, and that was a Ooh. horrible decision on my part. I don't know why I did that. That's a tough one. That isn't. I I picked him up in one of my leagues. Like someone else dropped him, and I like immediately grabbed him. I was like, "Why would you ever drop George Kittle?" I mean, I know he was hurt oh. and all that, but like he's just like, like even now, like, like. Derrick Henry's out, been out for most of the season, but he's been on right. the bench because I'm not dropping him because you know he you know had the chance of coming back. So, right, you definitely don't drop a guy like Kittle, even Derrick Henry. They said he's out for the season, but I mean, a guy like that, he could come back, you know, last two weeks of the season and win somebody a fantasy league because they slid him on the bench. So, yeah. But I mean, Unless the forty nine. Definitively, know if someone's done for the season, you don't drop them. Like McCaffrey, I don't yeah. Yeah, I mean, like the forty ers are another team that I mean, they seem to just figure it out. I mean, they're four for five over the. They've won four of their last five games, I think. Yeah, and the only one they lost was uh, who was it? Two they lost last week. I, I think that was... early season slump's gonna really bite them in the tail. The way they're playing right now, they could, they would be in contention for that first round playoff by and home field advantage if they hadn't, you know, dropped a lot of those games early. Yeah, I mean, they won four of their last five, and they lost last week to the Seahawks by seven points. Yeah, and they beat the crap out of the Rams. You know three, four weeks ago, and the Rams just, you know, handled Arizona pretty pretty easily. Right. But, I mean, people hate on Jimmy Garoppolo, but I feel like when he's playing like he's playing now, I mean, I, I mean, he's not making, like, any crazy plays, but, I mean, you don't have to, not when you have the playmakers like the 49ers have. Jimmy G is a perfect scenario. I mean, there was a couple. There was a couple plays 
uh, on Sunday where basically like you know the ball's going to George Kittle. Like it was yeah. like a, a third and short, and it's just like the ball is going to George Kittle. Like everyone knows it, and then they would just you know convert, and he would either make a a crazy catch. Or he'd be wide open and you're sitting there like, how do the Bengals just let George Kittle up the seam, you know, for 12 yards on a third and five? Like, it makes no sense. It's it's one thing to know, hey, that ball's going to George Kittle. It's another thing to say, hey, we know how to stop that ball from getting to George Kittle. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's also true. I mean, it's it's the Titans' whole offense. They, Derrick Henry up the middle, stack nine-man box, he's still going to break it. Yeah. Some guys are just that good. And George Kittle's definitely one of those guys. I wanted to talk a little bit about the Cowboys and how that they're winning games, but it's not like pretty and it's not how you think that they should win games, I guess. Because you look at the roster and you're like, this should be like one of the top three teams in the NFL. And, <laughs> you know, they have you know, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Zeke Elliott, and Dak Prescott. Right. It, the Cowboys, I will always say, you know, Jerry, he said it in an interview too. Jerry Jones has said that, you know, over their last Super Bowl run, he prayed for a Cowboys win in the Super Bowl. He said, I will never ask for another Super Bowl win if you give us this one, Lord. He said, God, I will not ever do it again. And they won, and the Cowboys ain't been back since. So, I <laughs> look, I mean, it, it sounds facetious to say, but Jerry Jones, Cowboys will not win anything as long as he is there. Not that he's not a great, you know, owner. It's just that when you say something like that, it, it starts to come true. And also, Mike oh. McCarthy in the playoffs, no shot. Oh, uh, yeah, I forgot you've had your fair dose of Mike McCarthy in the playoffs. I was about to say, I, I've watched Mike McCarthy for too many years in the playoffs to think that he's going to do anything. It's like, and you can already see it. Like, there's been some, like, most of the games that they played, like, they've been in, like, really good positions to, like, you know, put the game out of reach or, mm-hmm. you know, take take a take a you know, a 10 point lead into halftime instead of a, a seven point lead or a, or a three point lead, like mismanage the clock and just like not call a timeout when you should call a timeout. And then every, like literally the entire team and the whole fan base is sitting there scratching their head. Like why, like what's going on? Like, why is he not, he's been in the, he's been coaching in the league for so long. How does he not understand basic clock management skills you know, in a in a big time moment, like it, it just doesn't make sense to me. He he's a member of the Les Miles School of Clock Management. Well, I mean, he's I don't a proud know if it's like of that I don't know if it's like an analytics guy in his ear saying, you know, you know, analytics say you don't take a timeout here because I know analytics are really taking a big part in you know today's NFL game and taking the lead by storm right now and, and football in general honestly but i just like it's sometimes you just have to go with what you know your brain tells you and not what a computer says yeah i agree mike mccarthy 
I don't know what the deal is. I mean, I loved him in Green Bay up until those last two years, but he has proven again and again. Clock management's the problem. Deep playoff runs are an issue. Yeah. And I, it's like, I, I laugh at the Cowboys. I think it's funny that, you know, they always, always find some way to choke it away at the end of the season or at some point during the season. But I like, I want to see them like make it to the playoffs or at least make it to a Super Bowl. Cause I like, I mean, I don't mind the Cowboys. Like, I don't hate them. I like them. Obviously, I like Amari Cooper. I like Dak Prescott. Like, I think he's a great quarterback and all that stuff. I just don't know why they can't figure yeah. it out. I mean, they have arguably the defensive player of the year and Micah Parsons, and he's a freaking rookie. And they have Trevon Diggs. Yeah, he's leading the league in interceptions. So he's got more picks, or at least he did earlier in the season. He's got more picks than he does games played. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, he's it's crazy. But for some reason, you know, they I know they beat Washington and Washington's hot right now, but like I feel like they, they should have they went up what seventeen. Uh, I cut that. I cut that game off. Yeah, I mean they were in lead. You know, it was it wasn't even a competition in the first half. Like it was yeah. just like the Cowboys were dominating, and then the second half started, and it was just kind of a slow third quarter. And then all of a sudden, here comes Washington, and it was just like yeah. Taylor Heineke was making crazy throws, and you know people were making plays all over the board, and yeah, you know, all of a sudden they were back in the game. And the Cowboys just looked shell-shocked. They were just like, what's happening? Like, how did this happen? And, I mean, obviously good teams win, and they found a way to win. But they've lost. They've definitely lost some games that they should not have lost this season. We've seen it with Nick Saban going to the college game here. We've seen it with Nick Saban this season. Be happy with the win, and the Cowboys are finding ways to win. Yeah, I mean – May not be the prettiest, but a win's a win. Most, I mean, yeah, like most of their games have been really close. Yeah, and they beat they've beat like some of the best teams in the league. Like they beat the Bucks at the beginning of the season, and right. Then they beat the Patriots, but that was before the Patriots really started getting really hot. But it all it they took the Patriots took them all the way to overtime, and then they barely right. beat the Vikings. The Vikings who lost to freaking. Detroit at the time oh ten and one Detroit and then they lose to the Raiders last or not yeah. last week two weeks ago in overtime in their homes like in Jerry world they lose to the Raiders and then the Raiders yeah. turn around and two weeks later and they lay a massive egg against the Chiefs but I mean that's that's the NFL for you I mean the story of the NFL. Anyone can beat anybody on any given Sunday. You can never get complacent. And I mean, it's the most cliche thing to say, but I mean, we're sitting here talking about it now. The Cowboys look like they can beat anyone in the league and lose to anyone in the league at the same time. Well, speaking of being able to beat anybody at any time, Tom Brady is 44 years old and he's still winning football games like he's 25 
Yeah. He's just out there slinging it. I mean, honestly, it's, I've been watching the man in the arena documentary and it's incredible. Some of the stories that they've told so far and they haven't even really gotten into the, like they're still in like to the 2010 season, the first season with Gronk. My gosh. He wasn't even considered the goat at that point. Yeah. I mean, he was still at that point. He had what one three and lost two. Yeah, or one, two, and lost two. I can't remember. I, I can't, obviously I was a kid when all that happened, so I don't have the best memory about it. But you know, he had one, two, or one, three, and then he had lost two Super he Bowls in three. He, he lost two Super Bowls in what three years to Eli? Yeah, I mean he's, <laughs> it's crazy, man. He's forty-four years old, and like he didn't. I mean, this past week or this past Sunday, like he, he took some shots. Like, I mean, he, he scrambled a couple times and he got hit a couple times in the backfield and he just popped right up. Like nothing happened and was just out there just slinging the ball. He saw the league is transitioning into dual threat quarterbacks. And he decided that he needed to get in on the action. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Did you see his, uh, you saw that video, right? That he posted the next day after the game. And it was like someone saying that, it was uh who was it said that he couldn't move or it was uh it was Tony Romo it was said he Romo, couldn't. It was Romo or Peyton. I was gonna say. I think it was Romo. Romo said that he couldn't move. And then mm-hmm. he, <laughs> he showed all the highlights, and he was like, "Yeah, his I don't know." Two runs of seven yards. His two runs of seven yards. Hey, but they were both for first downs, so that's the key. <laughs> I mean, like, people hate him. Like, so many people hate him, and I understand. I didn't like him either, like, when I was younger. And because I just, like, I was like, I just want to see the Patriots lose because, you know, everyone doesn't like Bill Belichick because, you know, he's a grumpy old man. And then Tom Brady, I mean, he just seemed invincible. He's just like, is this guy ever going to, like, have, like, a losing season or is he ever going to, you know, experience what half the league does every year? But, yeah, I mean, like, people hate him so much, like actively, like they go out of their way to hate Tom Brady. And I just feel like he's at that point in his career, you know, like Michael Jordan or like, you know, like Kobe, like it's literally impossible to hate him for one. He's actually a nice person. Like he's legitimately like a good person. And I mean, obviously I don't know him personally, but you know, from the things you, from the things we've seen, the things he's done, it's like, man, I really want to hate you, but there's no possible way that I can right now because you seem like an actual decent person. Yeah, I mean, like when a when uh when AB when when he was still with the Patriots and they signed, you know, Antonio Brown. Or no? Yeah. Wait, when was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he was when he was still with the Pats and they signed Antonio Brown. He like let him stay in his house, like during you know when Antonio Brown was going through all that legal stuff. Right. He just like was like, "Hey, you can stay with me until you find a place." <laughs> and AB stayed there. I think he stayed there for like a couple weeks before you know he left because he only played one. Do what? Yeah, there comes a point where, and I've reached that point. I hated everything about the Patriots and Tom Brady for as long as I can. Remember. He was, and I'm a, 
kind of show show my age a little bit here. He was drafted the year I was born, so I mean, my entire <laughs> life has been has been I hate Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. Yeah, I mean, like he. Let's see. Yeah, he was. He was getting like he he was he became Tom Brady like right as I was like being able to like really remember watching sports yeah. right at that age. I was like I was probably like eight or nine, somewhere around in there when he start really right. started kicking off. But it's just crazy, dude. And then you know Against all odds, the Patriots have a, a five and seven season last year, and then they turn around and they draft Mac Jones, and he looks literally like the next Tom Brady. Like he looks like Tom Brady when he was, you know, when he first stepped in in the league, and all you know he was playing great football. I mean, it's not perfect. Obviously, he's a rookie, but no, like. But yeah. <laughs> It's just like the Patriots never lost a step. Like they're back to the same thing. They're the number one seed in the AFC right now. And, you know, they don't have Tom Brady as a quarterback. That's crazy. The the biggest mistake I think Kyle Shanahan ever did in his career was draft Trey Lance over Mac Jones. Not necessarily because I think Mac Jones is a more athletically gifted player. It's because everyone knew the minute the 49ers didn't take him, he's fallen to New England, and they let Bill Belichick get mini Brady. He's going to terrorize the league for 20 years again with Mac Jones this time. Well, I mean, I was listening to the Pat McAfee show the other day, and they were talking about the same thing. And they were talking, they were like, you know, look at the, look at the tent, like, look at the pattern over the years of really, really, really good quarterbacks in the league. They're like, what's the common denominator for all of them? Really, really high IQs and, you know, being able to, you know, make a play before the play, before, you know, before the ball is even snapped, basically. Yep. You know, Peyton, Brady, you know, all the, you know, all the greats, you know, they had that. You they know, can some read the more... defense and make a change in the blink of an eye, it seems. I mean, shoot, like you said. All the greats, Peyton, Brady, Drew, you know, Rogers. It's like, I mean, they see one thing and they can change the entire offense and pinpoint the one weakness. Yeah, I mean, like Rogers, like Rogers showed it uh, this past weekend against the Bears. Like they were, I think they were, yeah, they were down, and that he had Devonte Adams out on the left side and single coverage. And basically, you know, he ran an in an in and up route and he just yeah. you know cut in and then just took off straight. And Rogers threaded the needle between, you know, the D back and the safety. And it was just like he knew it was there. He knew exactly where he was going before the ball was even snapped. He knew Devontae was gonna be there. He knew what the coverage was, like Obviously, it's Devontae Adams and single coverage. Like, you're probably going to go there like 90% of the time that happens. Yeah. Devontae Adams and single coverage is another major mistake a lot of teams make. Well, the crazy, I mean, there wasn't a safety like right over the top of him, but 
there was a safety like in the middle of the field. It wasn't like the safety was on the other. Yeah. It wasn't like the safety was on the other side of the field. There was still a presence there and he still threw the ball and it was insane. That is the brilliance of Aaron Rodgers, my man. I've been watching it since he took over for the Packers. He'll thread any he any needle he thinks he can thread it. He'll fit it in the ear hole if you tell him to. I mean, he has like arguably the best arm ever in the league. Yeah. It's Crazy though. I mean, how old is Rogers now? He's he's in his late thirties, right? He's what? He's thirty-seven or thirty-eight, I think. Yeah. So he's get he's getting up there too. He says he wants to play just as long as Thomas said, forty-five. Which, if I'm the I mean, Packers, I'm sending love on a loves on an airplane to wherever Oakland, San Francisco, wherever he needs to go. To make Rodgers happy. If Rodgers continues playing at this level, Philly's 45, Green Bay better not think again about a quarterback. Well, I'm like, one of the things that, you know, really puzzles me is like, you have, it's not like Rodgers is like declining. He's playing at the same level he has been for the past 10, 15 years. Well, and, you, you can look at it with hindsight, but in reality, he was in decline. I think the Jordan Love pick really rejuvenated him because, what, three, th- we got back three years before the Jordan Love pick. Aaron Rodgers breaks his collarbone against Minnesota. So he's out for the year. He comes back, he goes 28-2, which isn't great. Or it's not bad at all. I mean, two interceptions is phenomenal for a quarterback in the season. But 28 touchdowns, Packers struggle. Yeah. And they fired Mike McCarthy. Then the next season, LeFleur just still doesn't look great. He throws less touchdowns, still two interceptions. But he, he – and it's funny. Rodgers has said this before. His down years are career years for some other QBs. But he was having two and really two and a half down years pretty harshly there. So, objectively – Green Bay made the right choice. Again, hindsight's always twenty twenty, and at this point, you just got to backpedal and pray that you can do the right thing to make him happy. And if that includes Love's on an airplane to Houston, then I'll pack Love's bags for him. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, who did who did Rodgers have on offense during those years, though? I'm trying to recall a single name. Yeah. Of the same names he's got now. He had a declining Jordy Nelson who was coming from ACL. He had an aging Randall Cobb, a Devontae Adams who had not quite broken out yet. Uh, Cheeseburger Eddie, who I love to death, but dude ate himself out of the league. Rookie Porter, or sorry, rookie running back, Aaron Jones, who at the time was dealing with an injury bug. So, I mean, he didn't have a ton, still had a Stellar offensive line, though, and you and I think that's where most of it came from is the fact that he had an O line, so he got the protection he needed, but he didn't have any weapons, so he wasn't able to trust his guys near as much. Yeah, but I mean, they're rolling now. I mean, this arguably might be the best Packers team in you know ten years, sure. honestly. 
I was going to say they're rocking and rolling now. Rodgers is, I think, the number two favorite for the MVP right now after winning it last year. I mean, they've got Rodgers. They've got Randall Cobb back. You know, losing, I got losing Tunyon was low, but... But it looks like DeGuara yeah. and Mercedes Lewis have stand almost seamlessly, really. Yeah, and y'all the Packers they they keep losing guys and they keep finding ways to win. Yeah, I mean, you lost uh, you lost what's his name, your top cornerback, Jair Alexander. Arguably yeah, the best and then you in the league. Yeah, and Zane then Wiz. you went and picked up uh the picked free up agent Rasul Douglas. Yeah, undra- undrafted squad. free agent. And he turns out to be, you know, a superstar pretty much. I mean, he's made so many plays since they brought since they called he's, him up. I mean, he legitimately I'll say I'll be shocked if he makes the Pro Bowl just because he's a new name. Most of the time you don't your first year being great, you don't get the recognition you deserve because they want to see if you can prove it again. But yeah. ultimately I think he's playing at a Pro Bowl caliber level while getting a ton of targets because Rookie corner Eric Stokes is also looking like he's going to be a superstar. And yeah, we got a stellar safety duo as well. I mean, on the Packers, it's almost, you almost can't throw anywhere. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, their defense is incredible. I mean, they've been playing really, really well. I mean, they've had their moments where, you know, they got burned a couple times against the, you know, against the Bears this past weekend. Yeah. But other than that, you know, they played a really good game. Um, which I mean, Justin Fields looked pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, he obviously he did. It's not perfect. He's still a rookie, but I feel like he, I feel like him, Mac Jones, and honestly, I think Zach Wilson is gonna turn out to be a really good quarterback if if he can get away from the Jets. You know, if he can, you know, just serve his time there and he can find a way to get traded or move on, you know, I feel like or, you know, the Jets actually decide they want to be a respectable organization and hire a good head coach and actually play football because that's what they should be because they're one of the two NFL teams in like arguably the biggest, you know, city in America in New York, uh, yeah, you know, rivaling LA, and you know, the Jets I and mean, the Giants have both stunk for the past like six, seven years. I mean, the the Jets longer yeah. than that, but ever since Eli left, I mean, even before Eli left, the Giants weren't that great. But you know, having Eli just kind of made it not as as bad as it could have been. A great quarterback will kind of mask a lot of problems you've got, and I think as you know, as much hate as Eli got and as much grief as he got late in his career, Eli Manning was a great quarterback. Yeah, I mean, he beat Tom Brady twice in the Super Bowl. NFC East is Tom Brady's kryptonite, I swear. And the and the funny thing is, is like he Tom Brady'd Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Like it was like in both yeah. games, it was like the last drive of the game and Eli got the ball and he went down there and he 
you know, made a game-winning drive to win the game, and that's literally what Tom Brady does. <laughs> the helmet catch and the miracle drive, I mean, good Lord. Yeah. But. Yeah, I think. Uh, but, yeah. Speaking of quarterbacks, uh, Matt Jones. At, like we said, Matt Jones is looking really good. I think rookie of the year. Question. Mark. I agree. I I want to agree with you, obviously, because I love Mac Jones, and but I like Jamar Chase and Micah Parsons make such a good case. Like Micah Parsons is playing out of his mind, dude. He wasn't even a pass he rusher cares. when he got into the league. I said like, they, they drafted. Yeah, they drafted him as a as a middle linebacker, and then they were just like, "Fuck it, we'll put him on the edge, or you know, we'll let him blitz." And he's yeah. absolutely eating defenses alive. He just looks like a a superhuman out there. It's insane. It's it's crazy what Parsons is doing. I mean, I think I think you get both an offensive and a defensive rookie of the year. I think offensive rookie of the year will be between Mac Jones and Jamar Chase. I think the edge will be given to Mac Jones just because of what the Patriots looked like last year without a Mac Jones at quarterback. I mean, the Bengals still had a relatively good passing attack with Joe Burrow. Yeah, and I agree. Jamar Chase just, I mean, he, granted, he did take him to another level, but, I mean, Mac's taking New England from no playoff to currently the favorite to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, yeah, I mean, Max playing extremely well. I mean, we all know, we know what he's capable of, but a lot of people doubted him. A lot of people just called him a game manager. You know, he's not athletic enough, you know. And right. if you really, if you really know, if you really studied him and you really know, like, his worth, work ethic, and how he prepares for football games. Like, the writing was on the wall before he even got drafted. Like, Oh, yeah. I was going to say, if you sat down, did the film study, did the research, did your time looking into Mount Jones, you'd have seen this coming from a mile away. I mean, and a lot of people just want to say it's Bama bias, but really it's not. I mean, like you said, Mike Jones sat and he waited his time. He literally trusted the process. And he went from a guy that I thought was just going to sit on the bench for four years and win a couple rings in Alabama, because that's what I would do as a quarterback. <laughs> I played for Alabama. Really? What were your stats? I didn't do jack squat, but I got four rings. Look at them. Yeah. They're shiny. Yeah, I warmed, I warmed the bench for Tua. Yeah. I, but... I gave Tua his towel after he threw second and 26. Yeah. But, I mean, Bill does it again. I mean, which is funny because the Patriots, as an, like, obviously Bill Belichick handles, like, all the draft, all the drafting because he's the GM as well as the head coach, which is utterly mind blowing yeah, yeah. that he's able, that he's able to do both things and be, you know, have a team that's consistently this good at, you know, in the hardest, pro league that there is yeah 
But the fact that they would mean, be so good at both jobs is ridiculous. That's always been like people's knock on Bill Belichick, though, is that he doesn't draft well. Like the Patriots have never drafted well. They always, you know, they draft busts. That's their thing. And then they go fix it, you know, in free agency in the offseason. They'll go and, you know, trade for guys or they'll pick up a free agent that no one's even looking at and they'll turn him into, you know, a five star, you know, cornerback, you know, over the offseason. But right. this one draft, this one draft pick, I mean, Mac Jones was supposed to go number three, like that he wasn't even supposed to fall that far. And all of a sudden, draft day comes and he's just falling, falling down and, you know, falling down the ladder. And Bill, I'm sure Bill Belichick was just sitting there watching like there's no fucking way that this dude is going to fall all the way to me. (laughs) There's no way. Bill Belichick is thinking, okay, we're going to have to do some research on some other guys. He did his due diligence on Matt Jones just because that was the dream. But he said there's no way Matt Jones has fallen this far. I'm going to look at somebody else. You know, I'll look at Justin Fields maybe, but I need a quarterback. And that Trey Lance pick happened, and he kind of sat up in his chair a little bit and said, okay, wait a minute. Yeah. Is this – they're not really going to do this, are they? And like <laughs> – Draft day reports came out. New Orleans was looking at him. I think New Orleans and New England were the two systems where Matt Jones would do this. I think everything else he needed a little bit more time for them to get acquainted to him as the starting quarterback. But New Orleans and New England were built for Matt Jones. I think the Niners would have been good too. The Niners also would have been good. So I take that back. Three teams he would have done this at. But... (laughs) The rest of the league really screwed around and let Bill Belichick pick up meaning Tom Brady. Yep. He's going to, and they're going to pick up a receiver or a tight end or something in this draft upcoming. And you'll see it. It'll be Brady to Gronk, will be Mac Jones to whoever, Traylon Burks, you know, whoever. Yep. It's going to be fun. I'd like. It's, As a current closet Patriots fan, because of Mac Jones, I'm super stoked. Yeah, I mean, I'm a obviously like I have, I'm a Panthers fan, you know, by yeah. you know just just the fact that I live in Carolina, but you know, I'm more of a players fan, honestly, and I just love watching yeah. you know ex Alabama players play, and I enjoy watching them succeed. And right. you know, for for us not really having you know a star quarterback in the league in a very very long time, it's nice to have that and you know have have a dude that makes such an impact early. Right, I completely agree. It's nice but, to see you know Saban can't develop QBs was the narrative for. Years, I mean, literally, up until these guys started getting into the league from 09 to, what, the year two it was drafted, 19. It was like Saban can't put quarterbacks into the league. And now all of a sudden you're starting to see two is in the league and performing really well for the situation he's got in Miami. Matt Jones is in the league looking like he's going to dominate everything for the next 20 years. Jalen Hurts is in the league, and he's a Bama product. Oklahoma doesn't get to claim him. They don't even want him. 
Alabama product. Jalen Hurts is in the league, and he's starting for Philly. I mean, Bryce Young just won the Heisman. I mean, this Nick Saban can't develop quarterbacks narrative is quickly turning into Bama's QBU narrative. To, to quickly switch over to college football real quick, but this is going to go down as, like, the golden age for, you know, Alabama fans. Like, I don't think there's ever going to be a span of time like this, ever. And a lot of people take it for granted, but we we really should just enjoy it while it's happening because it's, Absolutely. you know, this is like a once, you know, once and ever, you know, once type of situation. Generation. Like, not, I mean, like, nothing like this has ever happened. Like, uh, you know, a dynasty this big, you know, that is consistently this good every single year for so long. And I mean, every year you can make the since 2008, you can say Alabama has a shot at playing for the national championship. And the majority of the yeah. time you're going to be right at the end of the season, at the end of the season, you've got your outliers, you know, 2010, we lost three games. We had a really terrible year in 2019 when we lost two games. Yeah. I mean, we joke like cr- that, literally. That's- which is crazy to say that we had a terrible year and we lost two games. Like, oh. Alabama people faced would so much liter- adversity that season. They lost two games by a combined one possession. Yeah. And like, like you said, a lot of Bama fans take it for granted. I take it for granted every once in a while. And then I got to sit back and realize this won't last forever. Cherish it while you yeah. got it. Yeah, my dad, my dad did that to me the other day. It was like two weeks ago. I think it was, it was after the Arkansas game, I think. And I was on the phone with them, and I was just, you know, I was, you know, bitching about every little thing. And he was like, <laughs> he was just like, you know, he was like, I think you should just enjoy it while it's going on. He was like, because you don't really remember the bad days that well because you're so young he was like but i do and he said and those days are coming again one day just you know enjoy it you know if we lose we lose but you know don't let you know don't let it ruin your day because you know it's it's gonna end eventually and it might be tomorrow it might be you know 10 years from now but eventually you know it's gonna come to an end speaking of the end of things Let's talk Urban Meyer, because that man is done for. I think he is. I know. I know the owner, Absolutely. the Jags owner, just came out like two days ago and said that you know they're gonna, you know, he's he's behind Urban Meyer and all that stuff. But oof, man, it is a train wreck down there. I don't know what is going on. I don't know like what Urban's deal is. I don't know if he thought he could just come into the league and you know make it to the playoffs his first year and, you know, do all this and do all that. But he looks absolutely miserable right now. Yeah, I really don't know what Urban was thinking. Uh, it, he got Nick Saban syndrome. He thought he could, which Nick Saban never got that bad. But he said, you know, I can come in and dominate the NFL just like I did college football. I can treat my players the same way I did in college football, not realizing that, hey, Players also talk to the media now. They get paid 
more than you get paid. I'm thinking, yeah. no, Urban Meyer thought he could do the same jump he did in college, and it's biting him in the tail. And yeah, I don't take to heart too much what you know head coaches and uh, general managers say in press conferences about blocking one another and sticking with a certain guy. Because what else is he supposed to say? You know, Jaguar general manager comes out to a press conference. Reporter asks, so, you know, what's your stance on Urban Meyer right now? Are you sticking with him? And the reporter goes, nah, Urban's getting fired in a week. <laughs> like, that would cause so I wish, I wish they would just be honest like that. It would make everything a lot easier. But It would, and I think it would make things a lot funnier because, again, you know, what do you think about Urban Meyer? Well, unless he doesn't get his act together, he's gone. You know. Yeah. Well, like, Media it's funny because it's it's, it, it's funny just because, like, everyone's trying to save their job. You know, obviously, you know, the owner isn't. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, that would be funny if that was the case. If, you know, people weren't actually you know. afraid to, hire, you know, to admit that they messed up and they made the wrong hire and just move right. on. You know, they're like, oh, well, you know, I, I I, have to prove that I'm right. And they'll hang on to a head coach for two years longer than they should have. And they just put their entire organization farther down into a hole that they're in. Right. I mean, again, going back to the Jags, just because they're easy to pick on right now. I ask Ivan Meyer, you know, are you sticking with Trevor Lawrence right now? And he goes, uh, well, no, he's uh, he got benched this week in practice. We're trying to see what this uh, seven-year journeyman Jake Locke's going to do for us and just see if that works out because at this point, I'm going to get fired. The, uh, winning games is not going to help Urban Meyer right now. Like, it's just not. Like, especially if he does winning it without. all to a point, which is a problem. It's – it does to an extent, but like if he wins games without Trevor Lawrence, just gonna say you know they're just they're gonna be like, well, you know, Trevor Lawrence is gonna be starting next year, so what are you gonna do? Like, yeah. are you just gonna keep losing games because you know they're gonna play Trevor Lawrence obviously because they drafted him, you know, number one in the draft. Right. So Trevor Lawrence all this money, yeah, and now all of a sudden. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. So let's uh let's transition on to some college basketball. Nothing really crazy over the past couple days. Um, obviously Alabama lost at home to Memphis. That was a tough one. Yeah, that's a bit of a toughie. Which, but this was an absolutely killer three-game stretch for Alabama. If you had told me at the start of the season, you know, we'd be two games away from SEC play and we're eight and two, I'd have told you you're smoking crack and can I get some? You know? It's like, and especially with the wins that we have behind us, I I would think, you know, okay, we're eight and two, but those losses were definitely Gonzaga and Houston, not Iona and Memphis. Yeah. Oh yeah, you for know, sure. If someone was to show show any Alabama fan the schedule and be like, "All right, you're going to be eight and two at this point. Pick who you're losing to," 
and the last, <laughs> you know, the first two teams people would point out would probably be Gonzaga and Houston. By far. Those would be the two yeah. that people would say we lost to. But, I mean, that's a tough three. I mean, we played, obviously we played all three of those teams back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Gonzaga, uh, then Houston, and then Memphis. And that's a tough stretch. I mean, that's like a, that's a March Madness type stretch. And That is. And, uh... And to pull off the as big a win as we did against Gonzaga, I mean, that was, if my memory serves correct, that was a double-digit win against, you know, what many will consider the best team in basketball year in and year out. And then to, you know, beat a Final Four team in such a close win that we did against Houston, that was also, I think at the start of the season, if you had told any Bama fan, Bama Hoops fan, that, you know, we would have beaten Gonzaga in Houston. They would have been over the moon excited yeah. about, it. you know, everyone's disappointed after this loss, but pretty physical three game stretch here. The fact that we went two and one beating the two that we did is very impressive for NATO to the side. I agree. Um, I think over the, I think the Houston and the Memphis game kind of pointed out a little bit of, you know, things that we are weak in, like rebounding. I feel like that's one thing that we're missing. Obviously, we have a very small roster, so, you know, you have to be pretty aggressive yeah. on the boards if you want to keep up with somebody, you know, that if you want to keep up with a team that, you know, averages, you know, in the upper six feet, you know, across the board you're going to have to rebound pretty aggressively to try to keep up with them. And it just kind of seemed like against Houston and Memphis, we just, I don't know if it was because they were tired or what, but it just kind of seemed like they were pretty lackluster in effort when it came to rebounding, especially on the defensive side. I can imagine that they were pretty tired. I mean, you got And everyone talks that, you know, well, this is the March Madness stretch. You know, if they're tired now, this isn't good come March. Well, but come March, they're in a tournament-style deal. I don't know. I haven't kept up with basketball a ton. I'm still pretty new to the college hoops game. I don't know if normally the tournament's all at one location or what the deal is there. But uh, uh, No, but, I'm pretty sure it's spread out. Okay, but you got to think. Bama went from... Tuscaloosa, Alabama, flying to Seattle, Washington, flew back to Tuscaloosa for a physical game against Houston, and then, you know, drove or flew, flew up to Memphis, Tennessee. I mean, that's a, that is a ton of travel for, yeah. you know, that short of a span. Yeah, I mean, it's impressive, though. I mean, I feel like we're definitely on the right track. You know, we've got, let's see, what we've got Jacksonville State. Yeah. Jacksonville State and Colorado State left before we jump into SEC play. And I think we'll handle JSU pretty well. Colorado State's definitely a team that a lot of people could sleep on. I think we need to take them very seriously. I'm pretty sure they're still undefeated. I was about to say, they're, you know, I think they're nine and one. They're a lower, I mean, you never want to say this about a program, but really, they're, they're a lower echelon program. You know, not as quite on the national stage as a lot of the other programs are. But 
you know, those, those are the, what we call trap games. Ben will be overlooking them, looking at SEC play. And next thing you know, they're, they got a lead on you and you're playing from behind. Well, hopefully we won't. I, w- I would hope we don't overlook them because bet- we have a seven-day gap between the Colorado State and Tennessee game. So I would hope that, yeah. you know, they would say we've got plenty of time to prep for Tennessee. Like, we don't have to, like, you know, we're not playing Tennessee, like, two or three days after we play this team. Like, we, you know, we have plenty of time to prep, you know, to get ready for that day- for that game. So, right. We'll see, though. I mean, obviously, obviously, the beginning of the season's fun just because you know you're you get to watch and see how your team's gonna kind of like shape their season. But it's you know we really get into the nitty gritty at the end of this month when we jump into SEC play, and that's when all that's when the fun the fun really starts because not only do we have SEC play, pretty much, I mean, we play all SEC opponents except for one team until March. And that one yeah. team is Baylor, which is arguably the best team in the country. Oh, Lord. So. Yeah. I mean, SEC, the SEC in basketball is phenomenal. I mean, LSU is always really good. Tennessee is always really good. Florida has, has is pretty consistently – in the run and for at least a tournament bid, if not, you know, some higher seeding. Uh, Auburn, you know, as much as we hate on Auburn, they always have a decent basketball program. They always are tough to play. You know, Arkansas is a physical game every time we play them. So, and of course, you got one of the dogs of college, not football, basketball, Kentucky in the SEC as well. Well, I mean, you've just mentioned Arkansas and Kentucky, and they both just lost this weekend as well. Arkansas lost to Oklahoma, and Kentucky lost to Notre Dame. Those both of those games were on the road, though. That I mean, just like Alabama, but but yeah, I think Oklahoma beat Arkansas pretty handily. I don't, I can't remember what the score was, but I think it, it was, was pretty bad. It was bad, if I remember correctly. Not quite. We're not going to post the final oh, yeah. score bad, but it, it was, was eighty-eight. It was, it was no, down. no, no. It was pretty bad. It was eighty-eight to sixty-six. Oh yeah, that's one I wouldn't post the final score. Yeah, that that that's the, the game that's is over. We score. play yeah. here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the bloodbath but, has stopped. Our next game is blank. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah. Only like, what, two more weeks? Well, yeah, December 29th is the Tennessee game, so just a couple more weeks and we'll be jumping straight into SEC play. And then it's nonstop from there. Good grief. I'm looking at the schedule and we're oh, playing. It's SEC play, Baylor, tourney, or SEC tournament, NCAA tournament. I mean, the saying, we sleep in May, is about to become very applicable to tie boots and to college basketball in general. Yeah, we play a game every three or four days for the entire month of January and February into March. (laughs) Yeah, you're a... If Bama was tired Um, against Memphis, Nate Oates is going to have them conditioned and ready to go come January and February because they're going to need it. 
Well, I mean, that's one thing that they pride themselves on is conditioning. I mean, that's their whole spiel is, you know, we're going to outshoot you and we're going to outrun you. That's like right. pretty, that's, you know, that's their identity as a team. You know, that's what NATO likes. He likes fast pace. You know, he wants to pressure the rim. He wants the kickouts and he wants to open threes. That's literally like, yeah, the blueprint. But hey, let them fly. Once they start sinking, we're unbeatable. Yeah, I mean, like if they're hitting threes, they're pretty much I wouldn't say unbeatable, but they're one of the top, you know, three teams in the in the nation. Yeah, easily, easily. When you have games like Memphis, where your two leading scores don't make a three point shot until like there's like five minutes left in the entire game, you know. That's when I mean, you get into real deep water. Right. But the thing is, is your two leading scores not scoring a three until five minutes to go in the game or late in the game. I mean, how often does that happen? You're right. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't happen happen that often, but like, you know, you never know I mean, when that's going to happen. You know, you could have one of those games in the tournament and next thing you know, you're going home. I'd say like we did against UCLA in the tournament, you know. Our shooters got cold, and then all of a sudden, you're staring down the barrel of the gun, staring at a deficit. You got to pull a miracle. I mean, it wasn't even that they were that cold. I mean, they were making shots still. It's we couldn't make shots at the line, literally. Like, we, I think we shot that's, less than below 50% from the free throw line in that UCLA game. That's like, still it was a absolutely atrocious. Yeah, they cleaned it up against, uh, they cleaned it up against Houston and Memphis, but definitely when we played Gonzaga, they, I mean, it was another game where they shot like in the low fifties from the free throw line. It was, it was really, really bad. But the deal is Nate Oates needs to have them shooting. Nate Oates needs to have them shooting from that strike, you know, for every half hour after practice. Yeah, really. You know, Line up in a straight line, you get four shots. If you make less than half, do it again. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit of uh, the early signing day. Um, I will let you take the lead on that one uh, since, you know, you're the resident expert. I wouldn't necessarily say expert, but, you know, out of you the two of lot, us. You know a lot more than I do, so, yeah. You're the expert here. Well, I, really the biggest recruits would be Jeremiah Alexander coming out of Thompson High School. He is going to get some good playing time early, I feel. Just because a guy like that, you can't really shut him down for long. Another big name, Ty Simpson. He's a quarterback, but, you know, we just had a Heisman winner, but I think he could be – he really could be the guy that replaces Bryce Young. I could see Jalen Milrow hitting the portal if Simpson takes his spot, which I think could really happen, actually. Which is – I mean, I don't know how I feel about that, honestly, because, I mean, we have obviously haven't seen a lot of Jalen Milrow, but from what I have seen, I have – you know, 
I have enjoyed watching him play. Like I said, I really think Ty Simpson could come in and be Alabama's starting quarterback as a true sophomore in 2023, which would take – that would end with Milrow hitting the portal and it takes us out of the running for Arch Manning. Yeah, which is – I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that I'm still one. still trying to think about that because – if we're out of March Manning, that means last I saw his top five were us, Clemson, Texas, Georgia, and Ole Miss. And I really like to steer him clear of Texas and Ole Miss if possible. And Clemson, I mean. Clemson I, I could deal with because we wouldn't face them until the playoffs. But Georgia, we'd have to see in the SEC title game, Ole Miss every year. Yeah, Texas coming to the SEC with Sark would be – a problem. That is very true. I mean, I, obviously that's a ways down the road. I mean, Ty Simpson could come in and he could, you know, not be that great. Or he could be, you know, better than we could ever expect. And, he, you know, he's like the greatest quarterback that's ever played at Alabama. You know, you obviously don't like know things. Lately has been the greatest to play at Alabama. Well, I mean, it's just like it that's been the trend, like ever since Saban got there, like when he first got there, the first thing to really take off and like really get very good, he built the defensive side. And, you know, we just started pumping out star linebackers and, you know, defensive backs. And then it moved to D linemen. And then now it's we swapped over and. You know, we started pumping out, you know, running backs into the league. And then it was wide receivers. You know, we would have two or three wide receivers go in the top two rounds every year. And now it's just QBs. It's just, it's, I, like, I don't know how he does it. Like, he's basically covered every position in the league. Like, I mean, he's even done punters, for Christ's sake. Like, it's crazy. We got kickers coming up, too. Will Reichard will get drafted. Yeah, I mean, how many field goals has he missed since he's been since he's been playing for us? Less than five, I think. He didn't miss a single one last year in 2020. Uh, he did have a couple issues earlier this season, but he's he's gotten shooting. Speaking of saving, cranking out players in the league, linebackers. Uh, we got another really good one coming in, in Sean Murphy. He's a guy that I was very high on in the recruiting process. I'm absolutely stoked that Alabama was able to pick him up early and hold on to him. You have flip season like crazy nowadays, so I'm very happy Alabama was able to maintain Sean Murphy. He's another one of those guys like Alexander. You know, there's a lot of guys that would be sitting ahead of him. Theoretically, we could have, you know, Toa Christian Harris. Uh, I think Jalen Moody's a senior, so he'd graduate, but you still got for four guys that are sitting ahead of him currently on the depth chart. And but I think Murphy is a player that is talented enough that once he gets into Alabama, once he starts working with uh Baloo and Rhea, the strength and conditioning coaches, he starts working with Pete Golding, who's also the inside linebackers coach, as well as the DC. Uh you could see Murphy get some playing time early, especially if uh, Harris and Toa Toa 
hit the draft. I'm looking at the list of all the people that have signed so far and a lot of big names. And there's some names that, you know, we didn't think that we were going to get. And obviously Saban, the, the wizard that he is, you know, either, either kept them from going somewhere else or flipped them, you know, and obviously another big recruiting class on the way, you know, I think we're in, I think 24 has us at second or third right now. Yeah, I mean, it's nuts. Which it's I, absolutely insane. I mean, shoot, if which I don't know how you're a recruit and you see Nick Saban walking your door, I don't know how you go anywhere but Bama. I'd sign a napkin and give it to him and say, "Hey, I'm coming. Let please let me play for you." Yeah, I mean. It's, it's, I don't, to me, I don't understand it either, but I, like, it's just one of those things where like, I guess they just know that they wouldn't be good in that system. I don't like, I just, I don't know. I don't know how they, from an objective I'm, standpoint, Alabama is like the place that you want to go. Like you, it's your best, you know, it's your best shot to get into the league you know, it's your best shot to improve the most in college. Like, you get to play, you get to be coached by the greatest college football coach that's ever coached the game. And, but obviously we can't sign everybody and, you know, there's players that decide to go other places, you know, whether it's for, you know, geographical yeah. reasons, they want to be closer to family or, you know, something else, especially with these NIL deals now like what's his name yeah. that just signed with jackson state has got a 1.5 million dollar uh nil deal from what i read i think bars barstool gave him 1.5 million dollars to flip from florida state to jsu so that was that's insane go get, go get your money man did you, you see know, that say, go ahead I was just going to say, I hate to say it, but as of right now, it's pay to play. I think they'll I mean, change that very quickly because they're going to see how what's happening. But right now, it's pay to play. Take advantage of what you can. Speaking of corners, Alabama has picked up two big ones today in uh, Earl Little being the first, Earl Little Jr., I should say, being the first one. Yep. He, uh, I'm very surprised. Well, let me backtrack. I'm not surprised he signed with Alabama today. I'm surprised the recruiting process led him to Alabama as easily as it led him to Alabama, considering who his dad is and his dad being a pretty good alum from Miami. Yeah. But I think a guy like Earl Little in a class, you know, we didn't pick up a ton of DBs, not as many as we normally did. Thanks, Georgia. I think Earl Little could be a guy. You know, he'll take some development and some training, but Earl Little could be a guy that we see on the field very early come spring ball and fall camp. Well, that's definitely one thing that we really could use. I mean, because Alabama's secondary right now is probably our weakest link on the team. Which is insane to say. It is insane to say because our head coach, the greatest football coach of all time, is the DB coach. So, 
but he is. But Saban will he'll figure it out. He'll hit the portal. He'll pick up some other guys. But I think a little with some development. I think he and someone will call me blasphemous for this. I think he could be more vital to the University of Alabama than Minka Fitzpatrick was his three years at the program. That is a bold statement. He's got the ability to – I mean, he can play any position in the secondary, left corner, right corner, star, dime, strong, free safety. He's got the ability to hit all of them. He's got great feet, great hit mobility, and I think he'll be really good for us, especially with uh, – Probably Job and Jalen Armour Davis not returning next year. Uh, but continuing with the defensive back theme, this was announced tonight as of two hours prior to recording this. Alabama has dipped their toe into the transfer portal and has picked up Eli Ricks, a transfer from LSU. That's huge. Huge. That is absolutely massive because they thought for a minute they weren't going to get him right they did they did they thought for a minute there that uh you know he wasn't he wasn't coming our way but like we said coach Saban you walk into his he walks into someone's living room most kids will sign a napkin and say hey I'm coming Rick yeah. wanted back pretty much the minute he entered that transfer portal. I think Eli Riggs could be very good for us. He doesn't have great downfield speed, but he's got great hands. He's phenomenal on the line of scrimmage. He'll be – he's very important for us to pick up considering the lack of defensive backs in this year's incoming freshman. Riggs is coming in, I think, with two years of eligibility. Some names to watch. Bama's got a couple targets that are – Signing this weekend, Friday and Saturday. Uh, don't know if Alabama will pick them up, but that's the beauty of recruiting. It's it is fluid until the ink dries on the paper. So we'll see what happens. I know uh, Damani is signing this weekend. I think he I think he goes to USC. Uh, I think the Lincoln Riley hire was flashy enough that you know. It's drawn a lot of names over there. And then I think Denver Harris is also signing this weekend. And I can't get a read on him at all. I'm not sure where he's going right now. And with that, we're going to say goodbye to Wyatt for the evening. Um, I'm going to finish out the show. Wyatt, it was a good talk. We'll talk next week. And uh, have fun on your vacation. Always good to talk with you. Always good to talk about the Tide in multiple sports and the league as well. Uh, I will enjoy it. I look forward to talking to you next week. And as always, roll Tide. All right, bud. Roll Tide. And to wrap up the show, we're just going to talk a little bit of NFL's Week 15 key games. Uh, I've got five for you guys. Uh, game number one is Saturday's primetime game. The Patriots at the Colts. Huge divisional game. Um, obviously, both teams are playing really well right now. It's going to be very interesting um, to see. I think 
I think it's going to come down to whoever can run the ball the best is going to win. Um, they have, obviously both teams have re- have a really good running game. Um, the Colts have Jonathan Taylor, kind of an edge, I would think. But you know, Mac Jones is playing extremely well. Carson Wentz is playing a lot better in the back half of the season than when he started. Um, I think it's going to be a fantastic game. The Colts are favored by two and a half. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say take the Colts. Um, they're, I mean, they're favored by less than three points. I think it's going to be a close game, but I think the Colts win by a field goal or more. Um, obviously, they're at home. Uh, very good game. Definitely going to be fun to watch. And it's on Saturday. So we get extra football. The next game I've got for you guys to watch is going to be the Washington football team at the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, This one is a very interesting game because of all of the recent COVID bouts that have, you know, raced across the league. Washington has 17 players currently in their COVID protocol, um, including... Defensive tackle Jonathan Allen, backup QB Kyle Allen, wide receiver Cam Sims, and defensive end Montez Sweat. Those are some of the big names for Washington that are probably not going to be playing unless they can get, you know, the two negative tests within a 24-hour window. Um, I know the league met today about possibly changing COVID protocols. So I don't know what that means. I don't know if they're getting stricter or if they're getting looser. But seeing as how Washington has 17 players out right now and the Eagles, they don't really have anybody missing from COVID, but obviously Jalen Hurts is hurt. Gardner Minshew played a really good game. You know, their their last game that they played, I think I read a report where they split snaps this week in practice. So... We will see. I think it's going to be a good game. The Eagles are actually favored to win that game by four and a half, even though Washington is playing some pretty good football right now. I think all the COVID, uh, I think all the COVID stuff is uh, kind of affecting that spread. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say, if all the people stay out for Washington because of COVID, I'm going to go ahead and say Eagles. Take the spread. Uh, I think it'll be a good game still, though. Um, but we will see. The next game, it is not a divisional game, but I just think it's going to be a very good game. As long as Lamar plays, it's going to be a good game. I've got the Packers at the Ravens in Baltimore. December football. I think it's going to be a good game. Obviously, Two of the biggest organizations in pro football. Um, the Packers are actually favored by four and a half at the Ravens. That's, uh, I mean, four and a half points is, is, I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot, but when you're a four and a half point favorite on the road at, you know, in Baltimore, that, that kind of says a lot. Um, if Lamar doesn't play, obviously... I think it's going to be kind of a a lopsided game, but if he does come, if he can play and he's, you know, at least 80 to 90% with his ankle, I think it's going to be a good game. Um, 
because Ravens are fighting right now for a playoff position. You know, Packers are at the top of the NFC right now, and obviously they want to hang on to that. I mean, this is going to be a good game. Uh, The next game that I have for everyone is the Titans at the Steelers. Uh, Obviously, Titans are beat to hell right now. They are like, I don't know how they're still winning football games, honestly, with the amount of people that they're missing. But, I mean, they still, I mean, they're finding ways to get it done, and it's very impressive. Um, They're favored by one and a half at the Steelers, which is kind of interesting to me like i mean the tight i mean the titans are playing good but they're they're very hurt and i mean the steelers i mean you saw it last week you you never really know what you're gonna get from the steelers i mean they played like absolute trash versus the vikings in that first half and then all of a sudden they just flipped a switch i mean i i'm i don't know if it was the vikings just decided not to play football anymore or if the Steelers decided to play better. I mean, to me, it looked like the Steelers decided to play better football. And I think if they play like that, you know, they can hang in there with most of the teams in the league, you know, most of the top teams, as long as Ben, you know, Big Ben is being somewhat protected by that O-line and he can stand in there and throw the ball without, you know, having to run, which obviously he can't do. We've all seen it. It's absolutely atrocious. Him trying to run farther than three yards anywhere is like watching you know a grandpa trying to do sprints across the yard i'm not 100 percent sure on the status of julio i think he was hurt or he re-injured something in this in last week's game um i'm expecting it to be a good game uh i would take Personally, I would take the Steelers to cover and win that game um, since it's at home. I know the Titans are playing pretty good football right now, but I think the Steelers get it done. The last game that I have for you guys is the biggest point spread, but this team always has this quarterback's number. Always. He always plays. I wouldn't say he necessarily plays bad, but I mean, they just have his number and it's Saints at the Bucks. And I know it's in Tampa, but every time Tom Brady plays the Saints, it happened earlier this year. You know, I don't know what it is about the Saints, but they just have his number. And, you know, the Bucks are favored by 11 at home. Um, I mean, Obviously, it's a big spread, but I'm going to go ahead and say Saints cover. It's going to be a close game. Kamara's back. He's running good. Um, If the Saints can get a passing game going, that's a big if. Um, Then they they have the potential to maybe keep it close. Um, Yeah. Saints cover, but they don't win. Bucks win. Um... There's a lot of divisional games this week, obviously, because we're getting close to the end of the season. Um, Jets and Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are going to win that one pretty handily. Cowboys and Giants. Cowboys should win that one easily. If they don't, then they, they've they got some stuff they need to figure out. Texans at Jags. That's 
an awful game. That's going to be painful to watch. And then the Vikings at the Bears on Monday night. Interesting game. Justin Fields played good against the Packers. Um, I don't know if he if that's going to be enough to beat the Vikings because the Viking I I feel like the Vikings are like the best six loss team in the NFL. Like they've lost so many games by minimal margins, and you know I think that they're starting to figure out how to play really good football. They had a bad second half against the Steelers, but I think the Vikings win that game. But other than that, nothing really too crazy this week. We've got three weeks of football left before playoff football starts. The playoff picture is wide open. Obviously, there's a crap ton of teams that could make it in so these next three weeks are going to be absolute pandemonium trying to figure out who is going to make it in and i cannot wait but i think that's about all i have for you guys we really hope you enjoyed the show and if you did please do not be afraid to tell a friend to check us out on spotify or apple Podcasts. new episodes drop every thursday thank you all for listening and we will see you next week